Bo's Cafe. Hello. We are missing the uh, the man from Johannesburg, right? <laughs> is that what we is call it? him? That's like Johnny Cash. It's a title. Yeah. The yeah. man from the man Johannesburg. From Johannesburg. <laughs> It's a romance. Yeah. It's about an elderly gentleman. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He called me today from Atlanta. He's alive. Did he? Did he? He's alive. He's coming so back. So he's back. Yeah, he's back. All right. Yeah. He said that he was couldn't feel his legs uh-huh. after 16, 16 hours in the air. I don't think he can feel his legs on a normal day. So uh, he didn't clarify <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Can he, he probably I can't touch his toes thing. either. No, yeah, he yeah, certainly yeah. can't. He can't see his toes. So he <laughs> he so never listens to these no, anyway. No, no. It doesn't matter. We can Absolutely say anything not. we want. Clown on him right. all yeah. day long. <laughs> Last week, that is where he went, though, right? You went to Johannesburg or someplace yeah, sure. in South Africa? Sure. See, you have to assume okay. my motive is okay. good. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to he, assume it. He went to Johannesburg, yes. Last week, we read this little awakening after John read the story about his baseball coach, the assistant baseball coach, especially at ASU. And the awakening from that reminded us of another story, which is not in the book because it occurred after the book was published. It just happened a couple weeks ago. But the awakening said, in an environment of law, every motive is suspect. In an environment of grace, good motive is presumed. And last week we talked about you know what are, what are the exceptions to that and yeah. and yet we know that in in a culture of grace or an environment of grace that we presume on the good motive of those around us and why do we do that and so forth well we thought what would be a good thing for you to hear is a fresh story out of John's life and then we'll come back to this awakening uh, and talk about what happened after this story yeah Thanks. This is very, very recent. Couple on my sixty-first birthday, I was preaching uh, that Sunday, and I have to set it up by saying I think in all my years at Open Door, my hope has been that we could be winsome and playful and silly, and uh, and that somehow that would be life-giving to people coming in and, and watching what we were about and that would prove that we didn't have an agenda or a hobby horse or that we were uptight. And I loved that. I loved that we had a community of safety that, that, that valued reverence and was full of awe and, and not sacrilegious in any way but still could play. And I felt like that was one of my gifts that I got to bring. So anyway, this Sunday... I always wanted to protect Open Door. I never wanted it to be uh, embarrassing or or that we would do something that would embarrass God or or this community or anything. And all the time along, I felt like, for the most part, we, we knew how to play that. We knew how to live that. On this particular Sunday, um, my dear friend Sam Hill brought me up uh, to dance, kind of a, well, whatever it was we were doing, it wasn't dance. No, you can't accuse us of dance. But he played a song, uh, the song Happy, and we just were playing on stage. And I'm clumsy right now. My health is making me clumsy and uncoordinated. And I fell. And I fell 
off the stage, down onto the communion table, and I spilled a bunch of the communion. Uh, of all the things in the world that uh, I could, I, I would never want to do, I did. And uh, everybody, a bunch of people stepped into play, picked it up, cleaned it up, put towels on. Well, I'm not even noticing it. And uh, all of that, they're, they're replacing the juice. But something happened in, in me within moments. Uh, I was overwhelmed with a sense of embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Like I had embarrassed God. I had mm-hmm. embarrassed Open Door. And uh, I had embarrassed myself. And it trashed me the rest of that day. I bluffed my way through two messages, and I couldn't. It was one of those things I couldn't shake. I kept saying, "No, no, John, you know who you are in Christ." All the, all these things that I could say to myself. Stacy was no help. She said, "John, in time, people will forget it." You know, it <laughs> didn't help one bit. Um, and I, the next day, I happened to have a meeting with you and mm-hmm. Bill, mm-hmm. and Sam, the three people that I felt most that I might have uh, embarrassed and, and, and made look bad. And I just blurted it out. Uh, maybe 15 minutes before I came, I said, I have to say this. And um, I, th- I think Bill said something to effect, the effect of, because uh, I said, I'm very, very sorry. I think... I owe everybody an apology. I really embarrassed Open Door. And Bill said, John, what do you do when you find that you are believing a lie? And all of you said, John, you didn't embarrass. Not one of us felt like you'd embarrassed Open Door. It was a mistake. It was a fall. It was a trip. But you feel that. And we want to tell you it's not true. You're believing a lie. And I would say... If not in that moment, in the next series of moments, it broke all the power of my shame. And I no longer was carrying that uh, devastatingly weakening feeling of shame and embarrassment. And I only think about it now in redemptive ways. Just by you guys being there, presuming my motive was never to embarrass Open Door, embarrass God, any of those things. You didn't go through the same shame that I had, and you wouldn't let me go through that same shame. And it was and is utterly healing to me. And uh, uh, it's a marker for me in time. Hmm. It is a true Hmm. marker for me. And uh, it's so powerful. I'm, I'm now learning almost as a knee-jerk to get quickly to those who can help me see right. And that was a profound, profound experience of that truth that we teach. Yeah, it demonstrated all over again uh, why we all need uh, a handful, at least. Maybe it's one or two to start of people who can help us when when we lose our way and we don't know how to get home. That's right. We may even know cognitively what to tell ourselves, like you were sharing with us. You were telling yourself all the right things. But you weren't trusting it. You weren't believing it. And when these three guys happened to be around you that next morning, 
and they told you, you know what, that that would be a lie. Right. Uh, first of all, I told you you should never have been dancing in the sanctuary <laughs> that's in the right. first place. That's but, right. but then after Thank that, you. I mean, Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. But again, we, it was not dance. No, yeah. no. Uh, so we were able to say, really, very simply and very quickly, guess what? That's just a lie. That's just a deception. Nobody was embarrassed by you. We were embarrassed for you, yeah. but no one was embarrassed by you. Nor did you stop protecting that which you held uh, really sacred, yeah. um, that ability to nurture an environment of grace yeah. um, where people could be safe and where the truth about them could flow. Yeah. Um, so it was a, it was a great uh, confirmation of this awakening. It's what made me think about it last week, yeah. that in an environment of grace, good motive is presumed. But you presume that good motive partly because in an environment of grace, you get to know each other. That's right. So there, there, there may be times when uh, a person would look at, at me and say, you know, you have a weakness or a, a, a limitation in this area that I, uh, you've given me permission to protect you in. And that uh, is even more powerful for me to be protected in something that I know I'm struggling with and that they know I'm struggling with than it is to just kind of sweep everything away or not know each other. So I thought that particular morning, uh, you got free. Yeah. And and you, when you get free, you you experience this healing. That's right. That actually contributes to maturing. That, that's right. It, 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 it's interesting that God chooses to allow other humans to validate His way of seeing. Yeah. And it's it, it sometimes. He knows that I need that before I'll believe what yes. he says is true. That's right. And, and it's an odd phenomenon, but I know all those truths to be. I teach them yeah. everywhere. I teach yeah. them everywhere. I, I, and I was rehearsing them to myself, but I I needed the validation of some others who love me to not sweep it under the rug, not say, "Oh yeah, 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 we we didn't see that and everything was yeah. fine." But I needed those who saw me to still believe in me, still still see me rightly, still see me not through a lens of shame, yeah. and and to be able to accurately tell me truth. And that's a powerful gift of God. That's yes. it, it, bearing one another's burdens. The the hard work of love is sometimes having to endure us in our lives. Yeah. And and that day, uh, I got to see it over again. I hope I never forget it. I'm sure I will forget it and, and the next time that my wiring gets screwed up. You know, Although, all, all I think does. you're further down the path. I Absolutely. Think, I think that's what I mean Absolutely. by you grow, you mature and and so this doesn't happen in the same way uh, next time. It, you, you begin to to actually see what is true and not believe the deception as long as you used to. Oh, and I come quicker to the yes. places that can help me in yes. the deception. That's right. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, that's a great uh, confirmation of this particular awakening, and I I just want it for my life. I want it for everybody that hears us Absolutely. today. Absolutely. Well, we'll see you next week at Bose Cafe. Yeah. Bye bye, you guys.